welcome to episode 38 of the Motor Effect Podcast. I am Joanne Don, one of your co-hosts, and I'm here with my awesome co-host, Christy Farrell. Hello. And uh, it's kind of neat. We're at the big 3-8, so close to 40. Um, thanks for hanging with us so far. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode. We now finally get to catch up with Christy and hear all about her epic road trip. And um, she's going to update us on that. And then we have just a couple of short news stories for you before that. And then we will finish up with my final bike purchase. So to close out last week's convo about searching for a used bike. So let's, um, let's, let's dive in. So what stories do you have for us this evening? Well, I think one of the coolest stories we've got going is that Superbikes will be heading back to the Auto Club Speedway. So if you're located in Southern California, we'll actually have races delivered um, not too far away from, uh, from where Los Angeles is in Fontana. You mean World Superbike Racing? Uh, no, I, I, this is the Weira event, so oh. I don't believe that it's technically World Superbike. I Got think it. that's a different, we different were racing. setup. Gotcha. But um, the weekend of the 26th and 27th of April for a Superbike shootout, which will be held in conjunction with Fast Track Riders and Weira Motorcycle Road Racing. Cool. So uh, we'll go ahead and put that link up for you guys to check out. Should be fun. Um, I'm assuming that, you know, if the attendance is great, then perhaps they will consider bringing more events to the LA area. So if you have any interest whatsoever and are around, please support these events so we can convince them that we all love motorcycle racing. Um, Second thing I wanted to talk about is uh, recalls. Recalls on the new Hondas, actually. Um, the CB500F, the 500X, and oh. the 500R have a recall. And, it, and as you understand, it's the same engine platform on all three. So right off the bat, you know it must be an engine issue. Um, there is a risk of oil leaking from the engine. And so they've recalled uh, just under 7,000 oh. units in the U.S. And they also recalled bikes, the same bike, in uh, Australia and Japan. So... Um, needless to say, if you own one of those, uh, you'll probably be receiving uh, some information shortly. So definitely follow up with your local dealer. Or if you're shopping for one, make sure you get the notifications about the recalls if you're buying one off somebody. Cause, exactly. Yep. And I guess the biggest news to pop this week um, is that uh, the lawsuit between uh, Circuit of the Americas, Coda, where mm. uh, in Austin is the GP, and Kevin Schwantz has ended. Oh, what and happened? And Kevin, Kevin Schwantz will now be the ambassador for Coda for Yay. Circuit of the Americas. So he'll be doing uh, lots of uh, PR work for them uh, in the coming, in the, in the future. And uh, everyone's pretty excited because uh, I'm, I wasn't terribly certain about what the background was on that. But from the sounds of it, um, there was, I think he was one of the masterminds behind the circuit yeah. and somehow was never involved in the actual process or compensated, et cetera. And, yep. you know, if you know more about it, please fill me in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know it in detail, but all I do know is that, yeah, he was a huge driving force between bringing just getting the circuit of the Americas to appear and to happen. It was all his, I think sounds like it was his baby and his mastermind. And, and he was really the driving force behind it. And he kind of got driven out, wedged out. I don't know what the circumstances were, but um, you know, I don't know if you know who Kevin Schwantz is. You should definitely Google him because he's got an amazing history and a fantastic career um ama superbike championships MotoGP championships just and he's such a nice man 500, 
500cc world champion as well. Yeah, many um, different championships. Uh, yeah. I, I know him only, mostly from MotoGP championships, but um, if you've ever met him in person, he's just this really nice, sweet old man. <laughs> I mean, because, yeah. you know, he's in his 60s or whatever now. And when you meet him, you're just like, oh, and, it's Kevin and he's And he's still racing professionally. Uh, I bet uh, Mr. Schwanz is going to kick some serious butt doing that. So I think that's yes. really cool. And I'm, I'm not totally not surprised. I've just, I've heard a lot of um, and seen a lot of folks who are riding well into their 50s, 60s, 70s. Well, let's not forget late 80s with uh, with our lovely dear who we'll 80s. be talking about a little later. <laughs> um, but racing, that's, you know, certainly a different animal. And sure. of course, our friend Mary, you know, she's doing vintage road racing, too. So that's really awesome. I think that's really cool. But if you, yeah, if you have a minute, just Google Kevin Schwantz. Check it out. There's a really fun YouTube video um, mm-hmm. from uh-huh, early GP race at Laguna Seca before it looked like what it looks like now. There's a lot of um, um, bales of hay. (laughs) The runoffs don't really exist yet. But it was, it's just a really great clip, I think, of him racing Wayne Rainey, who he fiercely competed with back then. And it was just a really cool, maybe 10 minute, I don't know, 20 minute. It was just kind of neat to see Laguna Seca before it was what it is today. So when you have a minute, go check that out. Um, and I will go ahead and post not only that, but I will also post in, uh, an audio podcast, uh, Bike Week Radio, hosted uh, a session today with Kevin Schwantz and a friend Robert Pandia from Indian Motorcycle also called in as he was one of the uh, couple of folks who did Free Kevin 334 mm-hmm. uh, last year at uh, Circuit of the Americas, kind of a, a protest to uh, the GP event there. So glad that everything got sorted out and stoked to have uh, an actual face behind one of these events that we have, a few events that we have in the U.S. as far as professional racing goes. Yep. Um, you know, you're, now we're really only limited to Indianapolis and, uh, and Austin. So, you know, way to work it, Kevin. Looking forward, to, uh, looking forward to him being a part of the PR machine. So do you want to tell us about your amazing trip from Daytona? <laughs> And some of your experience there this past couple of weeks? Indeed, I do. Um, I'm actually polishing, well, I wouldn't say polishing, beginning an article uh, talking about my road trip. But um, I can just tell you that there are a lot of firsts on that trip, like an entire list. It's it's like basically taking a shotgun to a bucket list and, and you know, having all of the boxes checked simultaneously. It was uh, a really great, yeah, <laughs> great experience. Um, and before I, before I get too deep and forget, um, I did actually meet, uh, Stephen Grasso of the Cafe Racer podcast. So our, our podcast cousin, um, over out there in Florida and, uh, and as That's well right. as, you know, he the week there. before, the week before I met Chris Ashmore and actually uh, I've met him, uh, met him a month or so back, but the irony of me meeting both of these guys independently is that they've never met each other. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait a minute. Oh, wait. Oh, but don't they do the podcast they together? Of, they found you this long distance, but they never, they do, but they've never physically in person oh. met. They've only done what we're doing now via Skype. So I oh. thought that was kind of funny that I'm the only person to have met both of them. Interesting. <laughs> well, I met, uh, you know, I think I told you I met James Reeser from the Pace podcast, another exciting podcast in the motorcycle world. I didn't recognize him. I, I was also slammed. 
I was also helping like five people at once. So it was, I just thought he was a customer. And then later after I bumped into him again, he's like, yeah, you know, it's me, James. I'm like, oh my God, James, I'm so sorry. I just am totally not there right now because I've got a million things going on at once. But it was it's and nice. And you've only seen him in a one-dimensional format. So it's, you know, it's kind of hard. Yeah, I haven't seen him in person. So I kind of recognize him. I saw him like, oh God, he seems familiar. But I don't know. I don't have time. I just don't have time to think about it right now. Do you need any help? No, good. Okay. And then, you know, I asked him if he needed help with gloves. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm good. And then, I, and then I moved on because that's pretty much all I can do on Saturdays. But, um... <laughs> That's great. So did you get to hang out a little bit with Steven? Yeah, we did. And he helped me accomplish another first, which is to ride an Italian. And that would be a Ducati. Which one? Um, well, I was supposed to ride... Um, what was he trying to... Yeah, I think he tried to get me to ride a Monster, but not the 1200 one. Um, sure. Another one that they had, an older one. And mm -hmm. the odd part of that event at uh, Ducati of Daytona is that they sell all of their fleet for the weekend. So someone actually bought the motorcycle before I showed up. Cool. And he literally signed me up like, you know, 20 minutes before and I'm scrambling to get out of the... Oh, they're doing demo. They were doing demo rides. Yeah. The oh, entire cool. weekend. Nice. And probably the whole week actually. And uh, so I, I rush out there and I'm just, you know, a couple minutes behind the eight ball and uh, the guy tells me, oh yeah, we sold it, but we'll probably have something else. So I ended up riding the motorcycle that you climbed up onto at uh, the motorcycle shows. Oh, uh, the Hyperstrata? Yeah, Hyperstrata. Or as A&R uh, uh, likes to call it, the Lady Strata. No, it, it's very short. Well, what did yeah. you think? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I've Obviously, that's like the first Ducati I've ridden. So I guess that's probably pretty good to start with what someone would consider like the the, the least imposing of the fleet. But um, yeah. I liked it. I mean, I'm on a motorcycle that doesn't have a crazy amount of get up and go. And so for me to sit on a on a bike like that and twist the throttle a little bit and have the response be like instant, it's mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, this I, I'm paying attention. And it was super fun, super light. I think it's probably in the low 300 pound range. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have, if I had an, an indispensable amount of income, I might rush out and buy one, but it would probably be more of the yeah. Hyperstrata, I think, and, or not, not the Hyperstrata, the Hypermotard, I yeah. think I'd probably get over that one, yeah. but I haven't actually ridden that one yet. So, uh, so yeah, that was fun. Got to ride around. And seriously, the, the ride that we were taking on was, was pretty sick. Uh, it, we were out for like 35 minutes. Nice. And we essentially got a tour of Daytona Beach and all these cool little spots. And so Fun. I was uh, I was pretty stoked. I mean, I could be on any motorcycle and have a good time. But um, seeing all the different parts of Daytona that I wasn't really going to get a chance to check out. Like a little tour. Exactly. That's fun. So uh, nice. tour of the coast. And, and we hit the freeway. And, uh, you know, they, they did. Um, I stayed in the back. And uh, the the guy was totally apologetic and, and super nice. No, I'm so sorry. You know that you're on this bike, and I'm like, dude, you know, I'm on a I'm on a set of wheels. I don't really, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> but uh, they were telling you to make sure that you know you weren't lagging behind deliberately, so you could like crank the throttle. And that was totally me. <laughs> oh, am I getting behind? Wait, hold on. See, that was so, that's the opposite of what they told us to, on the Yamaha when I did a Yamaha demo for the FC9. They're like, you cannot. You cannot, you cannot intentionally slow down so that you can speed up. Like that's have, what they told me. They said that, not to do exactly, it. Yeah, they oh, said not to do it, yeah. but that's exactly what I did, which was, you know, I'm Breaking just cruising the law. along. 
long, breaking cruising the law. along. It's not breaking the law if I'm going, <laughs> you know, a little under the speed limit. And, and I'm making sure I'm coming to a complete stop at that stop sign just so I can, you know, but no one said anything. So I, no I highway? Didn't... You didn't get you any, like, 65? We did, actually. Oh. Uh, they put us on a stretch of highway and some, uh, I, I wouldn't really say, it was probably the only set of twisties that Florida has. But, yeah, um, that's what I've heard. But yeah, it was uh, it was pretty neat. Got to crank it up to about, I don't know, 80, 85. Nice. And uh, yeah, good times. Um, so uh, so that aside, when I when I arrived, it was kind of a planes, trains and motorcycles event for me because I, I literally rode to the airport, flew on a plane, took a, a train from the terminal to the main terminal, took a shuttle and then uh, picked up the bike uh, and rode to the hotel. Which bike? It was the Indian Vintage. So the Vintage mm. is the middle of the three bikes that Indian offers. The Classic being the one uh, sans windscreen with the longest wheelbase. And uh, same engine platform across all three. Um, and then the uh, fully fared version is the Chieftain. So I had the one with saddlebags and windscreen. Nice. So the, the amusing part was for me to estimate what... Um, what the mass would be in both saddlebags when I packed. And so I'm literally like stuffing the saddlebags. How many days closed. were you planning for? Um, like well, I mean, few? in all seriousness, I arrived a Thursday night and I departed the following Wednesday. So I had seven days worth of clothes, not to mention oh, the fact lot. that I was going to... Wait, did you ride that whole time? All seven days? No. Um, well, I was on a motorcycle, but I wasn't riding. I mean, Thursday, Thursday night, just relax. Friday, mm. Saturday... Um, were the races mm. and then Sunday uh, Sunday I left and rode straight through to the airport on Wednesday so it was a good solid Wait three and a half three and a half days of riding where were you from Sunday to Wednesday you left Sunday um, Sunday left Daytona Beach right um, arrived on the Florida Panhandle right before like a torrential, crazy hurricane level uh -huh. downpour came up. Yeah. Um, tiny little town and, uh, departed the next morning, got as far as New Orleans. And, uh, that was a good solid day of riding at least like 11 hours, 10 or 11 hours. How far is that? Like a few hundred miles? Sounds like it. Um, I would Probably. say it was at least like a... If I split it evenly three ways, it would be 1,200 miles round trip. So mm. it's 400, 400, 400. But I think kind of fell short on the first day with the rain. So it mm. turned out to be more so, of a 300, 500, 400 kind of stuff. So setup. Daytona to New Orleans. Was that the final stop, though? Day Daytona to the Panhandle to New Orleans. And then the, the following uh, night was Galveston. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next morning, which was Wednesday, Galveston straight to the airport. Oh, so like a few states. That's cool. Did you get to stop? Yeah, I, I literally have not traveled anywhere down there apart from being in either. Florida a couple of times. So, yeah, I mean, the, the epic, the, the level of epic firsts <laughs> that were satisfied in one trip is pretty crazy. And I can assure you that one of the things, actually, the thing I most appreciated about that bike was the fact that I will bet you the house that I went through wins that were so strong that if I was on the GSA, I would have been in a ditch. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. And as far as what happened to the bike, like it ain't no thing, nothing. Is that because it weighs like nothing. 900 pounds? 
yeah, pretty much, I think with all my crap, <laughs> we're probably getting very close to 900 pounds. Nice. But I mean, that's why you ride a motorcycle like that cross country. And I totally would in a heartbeat if someone said, hey, let's, yeah. you know, take off and we're not going to do any dirt and we're going to stay on the road. Let's go to yeah. New York. I would say, send me up with a cruiser because I'm jumping right on it. And sure. uh, that bike, super calm, not a lot of vibration at all. Um when I was in Daytona riding it, um, first off, I was wearing a climb suit, so I was definitely the only person overdressed for the occasion, um, but definitely the only person in climb, and so that was kind of interesting in and of itself. But whenever gear. I, whatever. Yeah, well, whenever I came to a stop, these guys on Harleys would look over at me, and they'd be like, that's a nice bike. <laughs> and so what are you doing on actually, it? <laughs> no, actually, I never. It's funny. No, never I'm just got kidding. Any judgment? Oh, I know. But you know the thing. You're like, what? yeah, what's going on? But over there? Uh, I, I never got any judgment whatsoever. And pretty much every every dude out there, especially those on Harley's, would always say how much they liked the look of that bike and wanted to know what I thought of it. And I was, you know, I'd go through the little spiel of all the, you know, the kind of differences in between, and it was just really neat to to be on a motorcycle that everyone wants to stop and talk to you about yeah. because I think I said before my 650 doesn't garner a lot of attention which is totally fine um the GSA definitely got a couple people interested in talking to me but man the Indian that if you want to start a conversation in a small town it's like every gas station I pulled into there was someone who who had something to say wow. about you know in the 50s I had one of the little scooters and and my brother stole it and I'm bitter about that and, and then this one guy was super nice and, and he was talking to me saying that he had a um f was it f1 what's the race what's the race bikes I which kinda, brand uh Honda? I think it's like Yamaha or Suzuki it's the one R6 or one of those Okay. I'm really not an R1, an R6. R1. Okay. It was probably R1. Sure. So this guy tells me that his wife hates the fact that he has this R1 and he wants to sell it. And he said, I really want to get that motorcycle. And so we were chatting and and I was just telling him, well, you know, uh, um, here are the reasons why you should totally buy this bike. And here are the reasons that you should tell your wife that you want to buy this motorcycle. And so in the end, he eventually uh, sent his wife a text and took a picture of the bike. And she's like, I approve, honey. And so he was all like, <laughs> that's great. I, you know, I, it's, it's sure, you know, well, I mean, as far as him hanging up the race tires and, you know, he has a kid, he's ready to retire, you know, it's something that she can also be a part of. I mean, I got a I got a backer on this one as a pillion being on the back of a sport oh, God, bike no. would scare the crap out of me. Awful. You're just so high up. No, it's uncomfortable as hell. It is I, such I a miserable pillion. experience. Miserable, especially if you have yeah. long legs. You're just it, you're a very unhappy camper. If you're on a racetrack, fine, two up. But no, that's why I, I never sit on the back ever. Yeah. So so I think that she was excited that she could finally embrace that sport with him as opposed yeah. to watching him and hope he doesn't hurt himself on a track. Oh yeah, no, but, that's a different issue altogether. That's yeah. good. But uh so that was kind of cool cool aspect of it, but yes. literally the the amount of scenery that I wish I could have caught on the GoPro, I was quite oh. disappointed. Um I the learning curve on the GoPro was not <laughs> like the iPhone. <laughs> And uh, sadly, I got some pictures that I don't really think are usable. I did the setting where you um, set it up Interval? to take a shot every 60 seconds. Yeah. And uh, I kind of for 
like didn't really know how the wireless uh, affected the battery until the first day when suddenly an hour after suddenly the, the thing's dead already and I'm having to try to charge it. And of course I left some things at hotels along the way. One of those being my bank charger. So now I can no longer charge this thing unless I'm stopped and having lunch. So there are some st- things to still work out. I mean, the, the whole goal of this trip was not to like get amazing footage. It was to test the GoPro and kind of like, okay, this is what I need to learn. This is obviously what I'm... So the positioning on the bike was great, but uh, Christy needs to study up on how to properly use your GoPro to the best of its ability. And I'm oh, still... It's easy. It's really easy. I can show oh, you Oh, I don't things. know. <laughs> it's a piece of cake. Once you figure out what you need to do on it, yeah. It's easy. Yeah. I only did. I, I have only ever used mine for photos. I don't, I, I did a couple videos, which yeah. I've never shared with anybody, but yeah, the video just it's didn't easy. come out as, is amazingly colored as, uh, it just makes me think that some of the videos on their website have to be retouched because uh, I looked at I'm the sure they're edited and color corrected. Yes. It, it looked like it was a little washed out. And, uh, I felt that perhaps this is, the thing that you're missing when you connect the camera with the videos that you see is that your light conditions have to be absolutely optimum because there yeah. aren't a lot of features on the GoPro that are on a regular camera where you can adjust for that. So I guess that's something to probably consider. But needless to say, um, that was the ride. Uh, awesome, awesome time. Lots of uh, non-freeway riding. So I got Good. to see... The coast, pretty much nice. uh, the coast in between Florida and Texas. Nice. And so that was great. Had a had a little ferry trip. Um, Sweet. And uh, yeah, so even better is the Daytona 200. Um, I went to an AMA breakfast, a Hall of Fame breakfast that honored our friend, Craig Vetter. Oh, cool. They inducted him into the Hall of Fame and he got to talk about those crazy hippo hands things that I showed you the picture yes. of that I said I couldn't even bring myself to talk about on the podcast because I'm looking at this stuff going, there's just no way. They actually talked about that. And nice. uh, and, and what the genesis of that idea was is to take an old down sleeping bag and literally duct tape his hands to the wheel with like the or the handlebars with the down like bag over it. It was just, it was crazy. I, I was just beside myself. Now and... I could totally see having like some bark busters or, you know, hand guards with, lined with down. Now that I'm all over. I'd be happy to have something like that. Like, I'm considering hand guards on my bike too, because I really want to, I want a, win, a little wind blocking in addition to heated. There were some guys, actually, the other Hall of Fame guys. So you're talking folks that were road racing in like the 40s and the 50s that were present at that event. Mm -hmm. And they were asking him, standing up and saying, hey, where can I get some of those? (laughs) Well, you know, now that it's 50 years later, it's a lot colder. Your hands are, you know, brittle. (laughs) But but that was a lot of fun. And I I dug that quite a bit. And uh, the probably the one of the best moments of that breakfast was standing there uh, with my camera and looking over and seeing Gloria struck. And I suddenly she's went, so cute. <gasps> yeah. She's so adorable. And my friend looks at me like, yep. And I was just, Oh my God. Oh my God. I need a picture. Like I was just uh, See, like, I like to joke. I was awestruck. That's like, how I felt literally. when I met Mary. That was my, oh. that was my moment with Mary was like, Oh my God, this is Mary Mickey. She's so awesome. Or just when, when I actually got to meet her, because she yeah. did, she spoke, but I never actually got to talk to her and become friends with her. Like, wow, 
It's so cool. She's yeah, and so she is nice. just the cutest little thing and yep. filled she's, she's with adorable. smiles and laughter. And I yep. just want to pick her up and put her <laughs> over my shoulder and run away with her. And <laughs> <do> an <interview>. See, <laughs> I want to hold hands with Mary and run through with her through a field. Like, <laughs> skipping together as best BFFs. Um, and then I want her to give me pointers, you know. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So, meeting Gloria was awesome. And she brought some uh, vintage photos Aww. of her with the vetter fairing nice so her is like a hot you know Aww. a hot little thing uh with shorts standing next to a, awesome. a motorcycle and you can see one of those I'll, I'll post the photo um where she is just laughing hysterically and it is like nice. i i think i probably posted that on twitter but it is one of the best shots and uh and i can definitely um say i'm pretty stoked to have that and to have uh, some pictures with her but i did talk to her about potentially doing a, a podcast um interview with her so sure i'll definitely that'd be fun pursue that but uh yeah just she's so cute oh my god i could go on for just <laughs> they're all just so cute because you're like wow <laughs> i hope i am this excited and energetic when i'm you know retired and i just yeah it's awesome i, I I think she said she was going to Hawaii and riding, and nice. then she's also going to Sturgis, too. So, I mean, Dude, girlfriend she's... gets around. Yeah. Is she older she, than Mary? She still rides long trips. I don't know. Hmm. But her daughter, I think she said her daughter's like 50 or 60. and They're probably the same she's... age. She's probably the same age as Mary. I'm going to guess 80, then. 89? No, Mary's, Mary's only in her 70s. Oh, yeah, She's a no. Spry Gloria young is, lady. Gloria is 89. <laughs> she doesn't look it. She doesn't look no. a day over 75. I would never have guessed that. I really yeah. would have. I actually really Gloria thought she was 89. early 70s. Wow. And she's sharp as a tack. I mean, my. I don't yeah. have any living relatives. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know. Uh, you know. But my, my aunt at 89 was not that sharp. <laughs> you know where you can meet like 30 million. Well, okay, not that many, but a very large group of these you know young ladies who are riding well into their 70s and 80s is the motor maids you could become a member and then she could... is the second oldest yep. living motor maid yep. next to dot robinson's i think granddaughter yeah or daughter but they have so... like 20 30 members who are well into their 70s 80s become a member and then go to the meeting with me annual meeting and then we can meet them together are you are you a motor maid yeah i just have I never never been able to go to the meetings because they're not that they're too far, but I could never take time off work. Like I, I just yeah. couldn't take a week and a half to go on a trip. It's just, I, I haven't been able to do it. And I really want to go to the next meeting, but they change it. They go East, middle, West, back to the middle, back to the East. So they actually do change up the locations, which is nice, but yeah. To become a member. Yeah. So that was that was a highlight. And honestly, I can't remember ever meeting someone, you know, celebrity or, or not living in L.A. You kind of run into a lot of folks in random places. But I don't know that I I'm absolutely I'm 100 percent sure I've never seen someone going. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. So, so of all the no. people to suddenly capture my delight unexpectedly was uh, Gloria Struck. So I'm pretty, pretty happy mm. about that experience. But uh, after that kind of, you know, cruising the track and. And hanging out and watching, uh, watching all the the guys do their qualifying, and uh, yeah, it was just uh, a super fun experience. Got to uh, slide my way into some uh, special little places on the circuit, nice. so it's that was fun. also fun. 
And uh, yeah, I watched the the 200 from the pits, so I was pretty happy about that. I like what going to AMA, well, I did enjoy going to AMA races because you could get so close and there's not millions of people. I mean, there's a lot of people, but they're not throngs to where you can't actually see, like you can get close to um, some of the racers and you can actually get decent photos and you're not getting trampled and it's just it's a different fun vibe i really like the vibe at the ma races um, yeah well i can certainly that. say that i need a new lens because my lens <laughs> is not uh not telephoto enough and not fast enough to catch <laughs> to catch some of the blurs my, my yeah. uh, equally as as um yep. naive as i am with a gopro i am definitely naive with a canon so uh, i'm gonna hopefully uh square that away shortly and get some good practice before i I take on any big events, but, um, yeah, it was just a whole lot of fun and, you know, my, cool. my usual, just be nice to people and the doors open up for you. And, uh, it was pretty funny, uh, uh, standing back there watching the race from like the, the screens behind me and then looking out and seeing people come in for pit stops and mm-hmm. then seeing Steven in the stands <laughs> waving to me. And the, the saddest part though, about the 200 was, and and that goes for the qualifying days too as well. I, on um, Friday when I saw the event, I thought, "Wow, okay, maybe it's just because it's Friday and um, everyone's at work and no one's taking time off." But the situation didn't really change that much as far as Saturday was concerned. There were not a lot of people in the stands for the yeah. Daytona 200. It's the events in the public areas around that people park and kind of hang out and chill and, and do the um, rides with Victory and Indian and Harley. Yeah. But um, the actual race event was just empty. Like, I would say that mm. if you went to World Superbike in Laguna Seca this past September, you probably saw more people there than you did in the stands well, collectively for you, the Daytona 200. It was just... You always see more people at GP, hands down. Well, yeah. But I heard so, Superbike was light, too. Superbike was light, but I think Daytona 200 was lighter. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, yeah, Daytona 200 I mean, is... Iconic. It is, and it was also the, like, first... Was it the first race that, um... Won by a woman? Won by Lena? I think she won... Was it? it? My history is bad. I need to re-double-check my history. But, um, there, you know, we have a few women who do race in the Daytona 200. Melissa Paris... Shalina race, yeah, you know, um, it's, both it's of, too bad. Both of them, both of them were racing in the 200 and Elena, mm-hmm. I think finished somewhere around like 16 to 20. And, yeah. and, um, Melissa did not have a good, uh, a good event. Mm. She was having some trouble, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Eslick, super nice guy, super cool kid. Um, really, really sweet to hear him dedicate, um, dedicate a moment to Tommy when he was receiving his award. That's nice. So, yeah, I mean, these, and it's funny, I say kids, but I mean, they're like 20. (laughs) They are, they're in their twenties, kids. So, so you look at it like, wow. And and the, actually we'll also post this too, if you haven't already seen it, um, Triumph's, uh, racing team that consists of. Elena Myers and Jason DeSavo. At some point, Elena calls Jason old. Jason is like 31. 
Wow. Well, considering she's old, barely twenty-one. I'm, sure, I'm I'm epically just you know way <laughs> way out there. Come on, we're in our thirties. Anytime anyone who's not who, who's like in their twenties thinks everyone in their thirties and up is old. That's just the way it is. I thought so when I was twenty. I thought people in their forties were were old. I mean, it's just the way you are when you're twenty. You don't, you know, you're kind of a snot, and you don't really, you know, you just don't, you don't know, you don't know yet until uh, you turn thirty. I was a little different. Kids. I didn't look at life that way. <laughs> a lot of twenty-year-olds do. Sad but true. But, but. <laughs> probably because I've always chased guys who are much older than me. So mm. that's just kind of um, my history, personally. But. Uh, yeah, so we'll post that video, which, by the way, is one of the best videos I've seen as far as um, promoting a race team. But uh, at any rate, yeah, so they're all kids. They're they're in their early 20s. And um, just it's really neat to see a sport where you can watch the level of camaraderie in between people who are kind of fighting against each other or mm-hmm. competing against each other. Yep. You know, you just hear so much garbage from um, different sports teams, basketball, guys going into the stands because yep. someone's made a comment. And I don't, you know, I'm I'm not that close to the track to know whether or not that kind of stuff happens maybe during a GP event. But it's just so awesome to just be around and see, like, such a positive environment nurturing and uh, to have these kids show, like, such a level of professionalism and respect for each other. It's just, it's awesome. I mean, I don't. Clearly, they get it from a long history of professional racers in the sport who have kind of been great ambassadors. And uh, it's just, you know, it's just really neat to be around, to to be in that kind of environment. Yeah, if you have the chance to go out and see a local, even regional race, I highly recommend it. I mean, there's racing organizations all over the country. AMA, um, you know, they race the Daytona 200. But to me, AMA is usually is a Bay Area is the barrier racing organization for, for motorcycling AMA. And there's many different levels. Um, and there's all kinds of racing. It's, they're not all just sport bikes. Um, there's supermoto racing, which is really fun to watch. There's flat track, which is really cool and totally different. That might be, yeah, which we'll you know. talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's many different levels. There's kids, there's mini moto. There's like little kids racing on tiny little pocket bikes. Um, there's, dirt there's everything in between and if you can support your local racing teams and go watch some races and spend a few bucks it's a really fun family event like you can't be bored watching people race motorcycles it's just you can't it's just so exciting and everyone's really nice and they're all having so much fun I highly recommend it you're not going to see the kind of animosity I think that you see it like you know, a Raiders game or that kind of, it's a different thing. It's competitive, fiercely competitive, but everyone really genuinely enjoys what they're doing. They love racing and that's why they're there. They don't make money doing it. They might get little trophies here and there, but they don't make a dime. They spend way more money, I'm sure, than what they make when they win these races, but they do it because they, they love it and it's their passion. So the best thing you can do as a, just as an ordinary motorcyclist is to go support your local racing organizations and go find your local track and, you know, see what's going on. So much to see. Yeah. So I have to say flat track, first of all, <laughs> major mistake for getting the earplugs, but, um, always earplugs at a race. Come yeah. On. Super, super brappy. But, uh, 
you know, the, this reminded me of this video that was floating around where this kid was just going. It was like a, I think it was either a GIF or a video where this, they showed little racers and this kid was so jazzed. He was like clapping and getting all like, you know, rev his engine. And, and he just continued that whole like annoying, like, what the hell is wrong with you moment over and over again on this video a couple months back. And so one of the guys actually in the lineup when they were, I guess, on, on the grid, if you call it the same, mm-hmm. um, got a little too boisterous and uh, in revving and, and positioning. And so they moved him like all the way to the back. Oh. <laughs> and so it just reminded me of that kid. But um, so excited. Really, really cool to to be out one week where you're, you know, kind of using your your foot out as balance and going around a track and essentially kind of a quasi flat track fashion where I was the week before in the dirt. Mm -hmm. And then actually seeing the event where all of these kind of positions and, you know, stuff is put into actual use. So that was really cool. And as well as, if you recall, seeing the flat track event where uh, Marquez and the American Brad the Bullet Baker were competing <laughs> and how they came into a, a moment where um, they connected and Marquez uh, fell off his bike, um, knocked oh. him down. Oh. And and I don't know, I didn't read a lot about it, but I did see a couple of interesting images and, and I couldn't help but think, well, you know, that was probably just an accident, right? I mean... Yeah. What what part in motorcycling is ever, you know, allow you to be intentionally a little nasty? So I asked whether or not there's any kind of penalty in flat track for making it a contact sport. And the folks that I was with said no. And as I'm watching Brad go around, um, he can't, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, he turned out to to place third in in one of the uh, bike events at Daytona. He literally did flat track the night before and like race the next day, which by the way is awesome, but was with Brad and Brad totally like, you know, there was contact. He totally made contact, elbowed this guy out and knocked him off of his bike. And I was just like, damn, that guy probably knocked Marquez, the world champion of MotoGP off his bike in flat track. The balls on that guy. Well, it's flat track. (laughs) It's not GP. Sure. But still, he probably was like, whatever. I wouldn't want to wreck the champ. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, true. But at least dirt's softer. I'm sure he you know, walked away with his ego bruised beyond anything else. Yeah, but still, that was just crazy to watch. So um, definitely, if you've never seen Flat Track, it's uh, bring your plugs. But it's um, it's definitely something to do once, at least. I think it's just going to a live motorcycle race is something you should do once in your lifetime. Yeah. It's, it doesn't have to be MotoGP. I mean, that's the ultimate, but that's pretty loud. And for some people, that's kind of annoying. I can totally see that. Yeah. It's pretty freaking loud and crazy. Um, even with the earplugs, it's crazy loud just because of the engines, you know, totally like unrestricted. Um, but yeah, go to an AMA race. Go to a war race. Or motocross too. Go to a motocross. A supercross is really cool. I really want to go to a supercross race. Um, that looks awesome. Just I, seeing it on TV is really. I love watching supercross. You know, on on TV because you're the track is so tight. The corners are so sharp. I mean, there are these hairpins and huge jumps, and they're wiping out. And it's like when they go down in corners it's as insane as when you're watching gp even though they're going a third of the speed i mean they're not going 200 miles an hour but it's still pretty brutal they're getting run over like their bikes run over them and they you know if there's too many people then you're getting piled on it's 
pretty freaking cool. The jumps are fun. It's neat to see them like do like flips and stuff like that. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah, and, and flat track when they first all start out from the starting yeah. gate, yep. they end up taking that first corner as oh like a peloton. Like, and it is just crazy thinking how close these guys are to each other because there's no way I would ever feel comfortable with someone being an inch off of me. Yeah, no, it's it's harrowing. I think the the beginning of a race is it's always, like a pile up on two wheels. Yeah, it's, it's always exciting because you're like, are they going to make it? Are they all going to make it? <laughs> Or is someone going down, and you're you're kind of looking for the person who's going who's going to go down because it's just a massive pileup of of vehicles. But it's just so fun. So you know, when you have a few minutes, check out some bike racing. There's just so much. There's women racing out there, and we're racing in all different levels too. Or enduro racing. There's Anna Carrasco, I think, who's racing in Moto Two, I believe. Um, Revit said they're going to support her this season or next season. So that's really cool. Just lots of really great things. And we got to support the racing community. It's, we get a lot of, we benefit so much as boring consumers. When we get new bikes, a lot of what you see in these bikes are coming from the racing level. And if it weren't for racing, I don't think we'd have some of these cool innovations and, features and tricks on our bikes you know kind of like our racing gear like really great helmets and awesome racing gloves it all comes to trickles down from the best of the best doing their thing and the more you can support the better and uh, I think racing, uh, going and supporting a racing event as a motorcyclist, and possibly the only motorcyclist, let's say, in your family. So mm. let's let's just throw it out there that you're the, and, and forgive my stereotypical uh, uh, assessment of an example here, is that you're the husband, you ride, your wife hates that you ride, your family doesn't really know what the whole thing about riding is. Like, what what is this? Why yeah. does dad leave for like three hours every Sunday? And... You decide, you know what? I'm going to take the whole family to a motocross event or a supercross <laughs> event. I mean, yeah. you're you're not only supporting your own kind of two-wheeled endeavors, but you're also trying to give your family a glimpse of why this whole business of riding is exciting. And granted, it might be yeah. a different kind of riding than what you do, but it's a way to involve the family into that kind of experience. And yeah. I mean, hey, worst case scenario, you guys never do that again, and you go out and you do that with your buddies. But best case scenario, you get your family kind of peaked as far as their interest goes, and, and perhaps that, you know, you won't be the only one in the family that's riding anymore. Yeah, that's a nice way to do it, too, it's just to make it really family. They are family friendly. They're fun. Yeah, there's absolutely. always stuff for kids. There's like, well, Pee Wee bike races, and there's just always so, and it's so cute. How can you not <laughs> adore a little four-year-old girl or boy? On a 50cc, you know, three, maybe two-geared automatic <laughs> dirt bike with a helmet the size of, you know, a bowling ball. And it's just so fun. I, You know, just one of those, one of the pastimes, I think, that is declining. It's just sad. I don't think mm -hmm. racing gets the attention that it should nowadays, even though there's just so much going on there. But... Yeah, I'm hoping I need to hopefully spring, summer, once the weather gets warm and racing season kicks in. They've already, track days are already starting to be scheduled here. I think New Jersey is the closest one. So I think a bunch of people at work are going to sign up for some track days. And so I might just go to tailgate or watch, maybe hang out. Um, maybe just check out the track because I've never been to any of these tracks. But definitely looking forward to 
finding some local racing. Did you do support. a track? Did you ever do a track day on your SSV in San Francisco? Yes, I did one track day. It was four years ago. Um, Zoom Zoom, just how it sounds. <laughs> Zoom Zoom track days. They do a lot of uh, track days at Thunder Hill, but they do all over California. Um, and then once a year in September is when they do their ladies track day. So they reserve the novice group and they convert it to a ladies only group. And they, then they still have their A and B. So I did one novice track day with it. It was really great. It was awesome. And then I didn't do it again because I knew if I kept doing it, I would spend a lot of money and I don't <laughs> want to keep doing it because it's just addicting. It's totally addicting. But here, I think it's a little cheaper to do track days, so it might be easier to keep up with. We'll see. Depends. How far is um, how far is is uh, Alabama for you? Alabama, that's got to be Birmingham, Barber. That, uh, that's got to be nine hundred or a thousand miles. Because when we used drove through Alabama, we our next stop was um, it was one more stop, Charlotte, maybe. Um, but it was definitely a couple days before we got to Philly from there. So it has to be 7,800 miles. Yeah, I'm still kind of waffling on what I want to do after Overland Expo um, because I'm going to take a couple weeks. But nice. uh, the original plan was Mexico. And mm -hmm. now I'm kind of thinking I, I saw some, uh, some write-ups from our former interviewee, uh, Tamala Rich. Mm-hmm. And she is doing a uh, an event at the BMW, BMW. Association rally. Um, MOA rally. That is, no, it's not MOA. It's the Riders Association. Mm. So I think it's the second uh, organization apart Got from it. MOA. And uh, cool. they're doing it at uh, Barber, and that's where the rally is. But her event is nice. with Neil Bailey, and they're doing like yes. kind of a chat session with uh, some folks on um, yep. on stories, storytelling. Cool. So. She was quite enthusiastic. You must come out. Um, so maybe go do a road trip. Yeah, why don't yeah, you go ride uh, some states? Leaving, yeah. leaving from um, Arizona and kind of heading out to to Birmingham and and jamming back. So oh, it sounds fun. I want to do a road trip. Evan's been bike yeah. shopping and he found a really great bike in Nashville or somewhere out near Nashville. But that's like a two to three Evan? day ride back Evan did? yeah he's been looking for zrx's cowie oh, what what yeah what? he, he really thought... wants a zrx no triple no he wants a zrx How, do you know what have you seen the zrx's it's nancy's bike have you seen nancy's ride yeah but i thought he wanted to triumph again um well yeah i mean it, you know if we had a boatload of money lying around he, he, <laughs> we would both have triumphs right now i'd have a street triple r yeah, but I don't got 12 grand to blow. And he doesn't have, you know, we just don't have money to blow on used Triumphs. They're really expensive. Really? So, yes, but ZRXs are a few grand, which is totally reasonable. Oh. Well, reasonable to reasonable people. There are people here who think that they can make as much money off of their ZRX as they paid for it <laughs> 10 years ago. And that's not going to happen. But Those yeah. are people who don't want to sell their bikes. That's why they're so high. <sighs> no, I, that or they're delusional. Um, but yeah, I know the retail is like 35 for a, a gently used ZR in good condition. So mm -hmm. no, I actually found a really nice one in Tennessee somewhere, but that's like, oh, it's like a three day ride back. And I would want to go with him. That'd be so fun. 
Never you could take it. your bike down there. I could. Take you, my could bike you ride two up on the SV? Oh yeah, that's a great. What a great idea. <laughs> no. Never. I have my blood. I have a blood rule about that. Remember, I don't take <laughs> people on my bike unless they're bleeding, and you need to go to the hospital. Then yes, I will take you anywhere you want to go, but I will not. There no joy, there's no joy, joy riding with me. Because your chances are better if you've already got one foot in the door. <laughs> no, and this new SV that I am picking up has no grab rails. So nobody can sit on the back. Bummer. <laughs> we'll have to throw you over. That's where a tail section is for. The back seat. Uh, it's the tail bag, I mean. And there's ho passenger. There's hooks for, the tail, for a tail bag, but there are no grab rails. Because he yeah. swapped it out. So, sorry. Nobody can go on the back of my bike. Yeah, so, please tell us a little <laughs> about your uh, your SV returning to the SV experience. Yeah. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't say no. I, bottom line is, I don't have a lot of money. And when you only have a few grand, which sounds like a lot of money to buy on a used bike, you really don't have a lot of options. Except 100 to 200 cc dirt bikes. Yes, you could pick up... I could pick up a little 125 street legal dirt bike for 2,500 bucks, but then I'm blowing 2,500 bucks on a 125 cc dirt bike, which I can't take on the highway, or a Ninja 250. I I did my time on that. I I did my 11,000 miles on it when I had one. Fine, but um, you know I I want a little more than that, so I had to say yes to it because. As much as I want a DR650, they're just not cheap. And I don't have the ability to fly to the middle of, say, Alabama, where one might be for really cheap and drive it back. I just, I don't have that luxury. So I was trying to find stuff within a day drive, you know, maybe like a five-hour drive or something that I could ride back. And there were a couple of options um, on that route, but I found this one and I just couldn't stop thinking about it and I originally actually found a SV 1000 S and that was only a couple thousand actually it was a really good deal it was a little you know needed a little help a little work but so I was looking at that 1000 and then um I I found out that he sold it so I decided to call this other SV that I stumbled upon and it's a SV 650 naked which is not what I had I had the fully fared version, which is 90% of the SV market here, apparently. Um, <laughs> East Coast people love fairings. So naked bikes are just not popular here. And um, it's really hard to find unfared SVs because they're not, <clears throat> because they're more upright. So I think more, more people don't like them for that reason and because they don't have all the crappy body work. And people seem to love that too. So. The really nice thing is it's like 30-40% cheaper, maybe 20-30% cheaper than getting another S like I had. So that was a huge bonus, far less money because nobody wants them, which is, un is insane to me. Um, all the benefit from my previous bike without all the, you know, the negative aspects that I hated so much. So huge improvement. Um, F almost upright I'd say five percent maybe five to ten percent lean at the I mean just minimal lean forward as much as a street triple which is still pretty upright you know or an FC9 it's like totally comfortable 
um, perfect condition. It's like it has a couple little scrapes from a drop, whatever. And it only had 6,000 miles on it. Six and a half thousand miles for 2006. It's an eight-year-old bike. And it's that's barely, a bike that's not ridden a lot. It was barely ridden. And the second owner, um, first owner was a lady who had it for a few years, whatever. She sold it to this guy last year. Yeah, so she had it for like seven years. She never really rode it. So he rode it for like a couple thousand miles. So it's, he changed the oil excessively, apparently, every 1,500 miles when you can really go like three to four. Um I just well, that's that's good though because you want you want someone who's going to pay that close of attention to fluids when you only have that yeah, little mileage on it. Yeah, and I I just couldn't pass it up. Like, it's blue, which is not my favorite, but I don't care. Whatever. I had a blue bike before. Great. It's not a big deal. But it's in beautiful shape. Um, the tires yeah. are nice. They're not all dinged up. You know, the frame it looks beautiful. It's got a minor scuff mark fine it has an uh, a slip on aftermarket slip on so it has a nice low rumble it's got joanne short thought I, joanne thought i looked so good on my blue bike she needed to go out and get one for herself yeah i had one before my c750 was blue i just, just you know it's just uh it was coincidence and i don't care it's what green. color if it were red or yellow i would I, I don't care it wouldn't matter to me but this bike was just in such good shape it's i i couldn't say no like i just I just couldn't. So awesome. Yeah. So I gave him a deposit and then I got to go back. Pennsylvania has these darn notary laws. So if you want to buy a, a bike, a used bike here from somebody, you both go to the notary person together and you sign th the, sign the title together and then you pay the notary person tax on your bike. <laughs> uh huh. Weird. Very weird. Um, yeah. Hmm. So <laughs> are notaries licensed with the DMV? I have no idea, but that's the, interesting. But, so the DMV doesn't take the check. The notary does. I don't know what they do. I really don't. Wow. All I know is that DMV services are privatized here. So there's a bunch of people who have tag mm. and title offices. You know, Harry Jones, tag and title. And they charge privatized. you a few bucks more than the DMV would charge you. But they're everywhere. So they're very convenient. Fine. Hmm. Whatever. Ten bucks. Um, the nice thing is registrations, I think, for motorcycles are flat feet here. So it's like 20, 30 bucks flat rate. Doesn't matter how, if you have a $20,000 motorcycle or $200, I don't think it matters. Um, but anyway, I just, when I saw it and then I went to see it in person, I just, I couldn't say no to it because it's, it's in such great shape and, and it, and it is a, a naked. So it's more upright, like I really want. And he made really good modifications on it. They're not crazy. Like they're, it's not some weird custom paint job or you know, a straight pipe that's going to wake up, you know, piss off my neighbors. You know, it's got clip-ons and, or sorry, bar and mirrors and little shorty levers. And it just has I think all, I've, you know, all the stuff. I've just there. now figured out what the caption on the, the picture is going on the podcast notes. Joanne's going naked. <laughs> I mean, my bike was pretty naked before. It just doesn't have a windscreen, a big ass windscreen. It's, it's really very similar to my, my, it's almost, it is the same bike. It just has a different bar. It's got a giant, you know, one handlebar. So it's very upright and it's got less fairing, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> it's just Yay. awesome. She's got a baby. And, um, yeah, so I pick it up Wednesday night because I have to go to the DMV on Wednesday morning 
to get my license because I don't want them to send the title to California. So he was happy <laughs> to, yeah, he was really nice guy. Thanks, Jerry. Jerry. Um, yeah. And I, it was funny because when I, I caught, when I called him, it's like, yeah, so I'm really interested in your SV. Is it still available? And he's like, yeah, it is. And so I started asking him and then some questions and I said, okay, so, you know, I live like I'm in center city downtown. Where are you? Cause I would love to come see it today. And he's like, all right, well, yeah, I'm over here. And then I asked him for his address and he's like, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I just don't know if I should give out my address. <laughs> to you know someone from craigslist and i said well i totally understand i'm i'm the same way but um do you know a website called revzilla.com and he's like yeah yeah revzilla i go yeah i work there he's like really like, yes i work in the in the showroom um i that's why i moved here and he's like oh wow i i, I really want to work there too I, I applied for a job and and uh, they unfortunately they filled it, and I'm like, oh, well, that's too bad. After that, he's like, great, see you in ten minutes. <laughs> so once I gave out my street cred, it was good. But he was just really nice. He was very sweet, really nice guy. He had a kitten, so cute. Um, you know, can't I mean, a guy who with a cat. It's like, how can you? You just know that's a good guy. It's a nice really? guy. You come on, <laughs> guy with a cat. I mean, they, they, you know, they. He loves animals. It gives you. Gives, <laughs> men get i think right off the bat you know makes you a good person um so it was just a really nice he was a nice guy and i felt very comfortable and i think when you bike shop with like that your gut tells you a lot about you know when you as soon as you call the person you can you have an immediate vibe like this guy sounds like an this person i don't trust go with the gut because it really will tell you i think whether or not you're making the right choice did you ride it at all no, it was pouring rain. Yeah. Oh. No, I, 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 I don't want to test ride that in the rain. And I didn't have all the, I didn't have all the money for the bike either to do that. Um, but I started it up and mm -hmm. I trust him. I don't know. I, I can't explain it. It's, it's again, it's instinctual. I just transacting with him. I, he had the maintenance records. He, it was very straightforward. He was very honest and I, I think it'll be fine. So it's all with your gut, you know, go with your gut. If you don't think something's right, it probably isn't right. Um, yeah. ask questions. I asked all the questions I wanted to ask because it's such low miles. There's really not a lot to ask, which is awesome. You know, yeah. it, it had its service at 4,000 and there's really not a lot there to, to ask about. And the other bonus is he has all the stock parts of everything he replaced. Oh, wow. I mean, I don't want the stock exhaust back, but whatever. He's got it, and that's so nice. And he has the grab rail, and he has a few mirrors, and that's so You're cool. Kidding. You can sell that. I could. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I think that's really cool. And so that, to me, also was another bonus. Um, again, added to his credibility. It was just a really nice transaction, and I just fe it, I felt it felt right. I didn't feel like I was making a terrible decision or like this guy's, you know, not right. So, you know, a lot of it is instinctual from when you talk to somebody or email with them. You just, I think you immediately get a vibe off that person. And I got a great vibe from Jerry. He was great. And he's even going to try to find a late night notary because I told him I work till six. Aww, so nice. um, it just went really well. And it was, I, truth be told, it is about 15% more than I wanted to spend. But given the condition of this bike, that it's eight years old, it's in wonderful, sh beautiful shape, better shape than my bike. <laughs> my bike was crap compared to this one you know there's not an ounce of rust on it which is awesome he stored it properly 
the lady before him stored it properly. It's just, I just couldn't, I couldn't pass it up. So my goal is, I don't know, you know, I figure in the summer, if I'm, if I, maybe I'm not enjoying it after all, I'll sell it. I think I'll have no problem. And then, you know, I'll find something else. Or if we're lucky, we can, I can keep it and buy something else. Like maybe buy my DR when I have enough money or, or whatever, but I can't wait. I just can't wait to go riding again. I'm like, God, I just want to go around the block. Like, yeah, I, when was <laughs> when was the last time you had your your leg over a bike? Um, December. Last time I went riding was early December, like the first week. Oh, yes. you did it. You did a New Year's. No, ride. you're right. I did a New Year's ride with my friends. So someone loaned you one, right? Yeah. Yes, I yeah, rode you my. Rode, uh, you rode my bike. I rode an of. F650. Yes, I rode yeah. my friend's Beamer. So yeah, New Year's Eve was the last time I did a ride. Um, that was just a city ride. My last mm-hmm. ride ride, like some twisties, was in end of November with my friend Jerry. We went to Mount Tam and Point Reyes, and that was awesome. Mm. So yeah, I just I. Rid- so we're um, we're up to like six months ish. <laughs> Uh, three, four. Of Joanne, no, a little more than that. Of Joanne not taking a serious ride. Three, four, yeah. So as soon as it's dry, we're going to go for a ride, meet up a couple of Twitter friends um, in the area. So that should be really fun. And maybe even see James. I don't know. I was going to say, have him come up. He'll come up for the event. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll message him and see if we can meet somewhere, whatever. I don't, doesn't matter. But um, yeah, I, I can't wait to go riding. I'm just dying. Um, yeah, and hopefully I, I won't be in too much pain. We'll see. There's very little winds. There's no windscreen. There's just like a little shell over the headlight. So I don't know. We'll see how we'll see how that goes. Riding a few hours without a windscreen. Um, yeah, hopefully I'll manage. But I'm already looking at accessories and got to figure out what I'm going to do. But farkles, a few farkles. Yeah, I want some hand guards, maybe. Definitely some heated accessories. Uh, I got to rewire it for my jacket. I want to rewire the grips, you know, um, just all the fun stuff. So, yep, my search is over, at least for now. And then who knows? Maybe I will end up hating it. I don't know. The search is never over. There is always <laughs> one eye open for something that comes along. Kind of. Maybe. We'll see. Trust um, me. That's how I operate. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, no, so far I'm really stoked. So Wednesday night is when I bring it home. And then uh, I'll be riding on Sunday if it's not pouring rain, because it's been pouring rain here for two days. So we'll see. Should be good. Cool. Yeah. So, well, I think that wraps up for us. Oh, my God. It's 1130 over here. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. It's my, you know, it is my, my Saturday night. So I don't have to work tomorrow. But tomorrow I get to go to the doctor. I found a cool doctor, general doctor and. And you threw me off for a second when you said it's your Saturday night. I was like, wait a second, is it Saturday? No, it's my Saturday, (laughs) which is so fun. And that. Oh my God, I have another day to work on the house? Really? Sorry. No, my Saturday. And that's why I'm going to the stupid DMV Wednesday morning because apparently they're open Tuesdays to Saturdays, which is when I'm working. So I have to take time off Wednesday morning to do it. Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully I have all the stuff. You know, I hope I don't, I don't know. I'm not missing anything this time but um yes it is my saturday so thank you again for joining us 
Um, we hope yeah, you... Yeah, epic number 38. 38, getting close to the big 4-0. We have no idea yep. what we're going to bring you next week for 3-9, but we'll come up with some exciting topics. Um, as always, drop us lines at motorific.com or visit our Facebook page, post some questions there, or send us emails, whatever you like. We're here. We love to Twitter. hear from you. You can tweet us. Yeah, tweet us. Uh, Christy at ADV Goddess. Of course, I'm on every interweb as Gearchick. We want to hear from you. So please drop us a line. Let us know what's going on. Until then, we will see you next time. And thank you for listening. Bye-bye.